morning. This is probably the most important series that I think has been taught in this church. The last one in the series, number six. If you've missed it, go and have a look on YouTube and um, I'm sure you will grow by it. Have you grown through the series? Hello? Okay, good. We've been having a look at what we should be committed to in life. What's the number one thing you should be committed to in life? God. Then? Then yourself. And then? Your spouse. And then? Your children. And then? Your church. Okay? If you don't agree with that, go and see the reasons why on YouTube, because we don't have time to go back. Okay? Sadly, most people in this life today are committed to fame, to money, to leisure, pleasure, but not to God. And it, it brings tremendous fear in my heart for the church in years to come. brings tremendous fear, I must be honest, in my heart when it comes to the church and its longevity. Last week we had a look at those that love God, love His church. You cannot say you love God but hate His church. Hello? Just, that's like saying... I love the bride, but I don't love the groom. I mean, it doesn't work. Okay? <coughs> and being part of the church and being part of the equipping that takes place in the church, I believe is essential for anyone's spiritual growth. And let me tell you, if you want to experience revival, revival takes place, first and foremost, it comes in the church. Let me tell you now. Right, those of you that know me, you know I like to ask questions. So I'm going to ask a few questions and let's see what you come up with. Who of you here are in the ministry? Who of you are in the ministry? You are, you are. Who is in the ministry? Put up your hands, let me just see. You see, there's a problem. We have a mature church. Uh, I can't fox you anymore. Okay. That, but that's fantastic. I want, you to, I want you to think correctly. I can guarantee you if I teach the same thing in 99% of other churches, no one's going to put up there. If, is your working in a secular job spiritual or unspiritual? And is it less significant to my role as a pastor? Is it? Hello? Yeah. You see, here we come. If you work in the secular, in what we term secular, is it less spiritual than what I'm doing now, preaching? Eh? It shouldn't be? It's not. It feels less spiritual based on what? Your wrong paradigm of thinking. Your wrong belief system. The way you've been indoctrinated to believe. And this is the problem. Hello? This is crucial that you get this. This is one of the most important teaching you're going to receive. That will liberate you in your work. It will give you the greatest joy and freedom when it comes to your occupation. Some people, I believe, do their job just for money. And you know what? In a sense, to be almost crude, you're basically prostituting your time. Would you read with me? I'm going to read here Proverbs 6 verse 26. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread, and the doubters praise upon your very life. 
Now I might be taking this slightly out of context, but the principle is still true. Okay? What happens between a husband and a wife is a beautiful thing, right? Right? Just like your work is a beautiful thing, but when it comes down to just giving your time for a loaf of bread, you're prostituting your time. Many people work just for the next meal. Or just for the next fix of, oh, I want this. and That's the only reason they work. And we as kingdom citizens work for far more important reasons than just a loaf of bread. Have I rattled your cage? I see some of your... <laughs> right. So, the sixth commitment that we should all be committed to is our work. Here's my title this morning. Your work is your ministry. Your work, whatever you do, is your ministry. Do you agree? Not should be. It is your ministry. Now, my question to you is, how's your ministry going? Challenging. Sometimes tough. That's, that's, life. that's ministry. That is life. It is not always easy. It's not always sunshine and roses. The point is that do you see your work, your vocation, whatever it is, do you see it as a ministry? If you don't, your thinking is totally out of line. And this is where God says, let's get it back into line. So, I want to share with you 12 facts about your work that I think are crucially important for you to understand. Okay, so I'm going to try and go relatively quickly and I'm going to throw in a scripture or two that we base it on scripture. Okay, Number one, <clears throat> your work is there because that is God's plan. Did you know that? God wants you to work. Do you know that? He wants you to work. Would you read with me? Genesis 2 verse 2. But the seventh, by the seventh day God had finished his work. What? His work. Did you know that God worked? He finished his work, okay? He had been doing it on the seventh day. He rested from all his work. Maybe some of us need to take a hint in that regard. <coughs> okay? On the seventh day he rested. But prior to that, what did he do? Work. Is work a curse then? He wouldn't have done it if it was a curse. So never ever again think that your work is a curse. If you think like that, you're wrong. And you'll, you'll regret and you'll be, go to work begrudgingly as opposed to I'm going to work for these different reasons which we will be looking at. So you need to understand that God worked. And who does God want you and I as kingdom citizens to emulate? Him. He worked, right? Hence we too should? Right. Okay? Very important. Genesis 2.15 The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. He put him there and he said, I want you to take care of this and I want you to work it. And please note that this happened before the fall. Go and read your Bible. Not after the fall, before the fall. So work is a blessing. Why? Because it gives us something to do and, and, and for be involved in part of God's character of creating something, of thinking out something and implementing it and getting fulfillment and joy that we can look back and we can say, 
It's good. I don't think any of us can look back and say it's now very good. When he created mankind, he said, this is now very good. I don't even think we can even say good when we compare it with what God created, isn't it? But what is important for us to understand is that God worked and he expects us to work because it's a blessing that he's given us. Imagine if you never had anything to do. You could just sit back like a jellyfish lying back and watching a movie or something. Imagine, life would be terrible. Think about it. Yeah, literally. Literally. And there'd be no fulfillment. Are you ever going to curse your work again? Genesis 1 verse 20, 28 said, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and of the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the earth. He wants us to rule over this earth. He wants us to increase, to multiply, to be fruitful. Not just to be faithful. I read someone say, we're called to be faithful, not fruitful. No, we're to be fruitful as well. We're to grow what he has entrusted to us. We're to grow it. I do not believe for one second we are to sit on what we have and not to multiply it. it is, to me, that's unscriptural. I find it tragic in this day and age, in this nation, that many people want to steal they don't want to think and be creative and how can we improve and grow things. We want to downscale our standards and pass this guy for what? And I think, no, no, we should be doing it the other way around. We should be upping the standards continually. Hello? Isn't it? In everything we should be pushing the bench, saying, let's go higher, let's get higher. And here in this nation we're just pulling it down. And I think... Oh, we need our heads read. It is so unscriptural and so unbiblical. May we not be found to do that. If those of you, some of you like it, some of you certainly don't like it. When we, if you go and look at the Hebrew for the word work, it is avodak, avodah, sorry. And it's two distinct words, but they're intertwined. And guess what the words are? What's the other word for work? Hey? Yeah, yeah, labor. But what's another word? Sorry? Worship. Hello? Go and look it up. In other words, the work that you do is worship unto God. He sees it as worship unto Him. So when you work, do you see it as I'm worshiping God through the gifts and the talents that He's given me? And what I'm doing here is not just to meet this person need or that person need or to get monetary return, but I'm doing it in worship to you. Whoa. How about that change in your paradigm? May you see your, wor your work as a blessing from God and as worship to Him. Because it is God's plan for all of our lives to work. Number two. Your work is there to glorify and honor God, just by the way. That is the prime reason that you do what you do. Your prime reason is, in your work, is to worship and to glorify the name of God. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, 
whatever you lay your hands to do, may it be in worship to God, to glorify His name. So when you doing what you do, do you do it to make God look great? Or you do it just, ah, oh, it's a job, it's an income. Or do you do it, I'm doing this because I love you, God. And I want to do this in reverence for you. That's how we're to work. To glorify and honor the name of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Here it's reiterated again. No matter what, whether you eat, whether you sleep, whether you run around, whether you do sport and rugby or cricket or what are other things? Come on, name things. Whether you spindling on the or you you playing in the orchestra, whatever you do, make sure you do it to the glory of God. Many people do it to the glory of I did this. Well quite frankly you can do nothing except for the grace of God in your life. And we need to have that paradigm of thinking, I, I can do nothing outside of God. Because He can take me out like this. Therefore, He must get the glory. Do I work at it with all my heart? Do I work at it to the best of my ability? Yes. But at the end of the day, God's going to get the glory because He gave me that gift in any case. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance for all his heart. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at a heart. He looks at your motive. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you working on the lathe and spindling this? Are you doing it because you're creating something and you're enjoying it and you're doing it out of thanksgiving for, wow, look what is coming out of this piece of wood. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you that I can make this and bless the church with it. Or, or you're doing it, wow, you know, this is going to be good ching coming in. And that's part of it, and we'll deal with that just now. But is that your main one? Is that your only reason? Because then you're just like a prostitute. Sorry. Sorry to say. So may you glorify and honor God through your work. Number three, your work is there to serve others. Your work is there to serve others. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. You have received the gift you have. Even if you have learned it and you've honed it, as everyone does, if you're a man or woman of God, you should be honing the gift that God has given you. Okay? To serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I believe... That your work is not just to be seen as worship unto the Lord, but as servanthood. I'm there to serve you and meet your need. If you cook food, may you cook food to the best of your ability, to the glory of God, and say, I want to give them the best food that they've ever had. Maybe it will be ghastly, but it's the best you could give. And you will grow and hone that, right? Hello? And that's fine. It's fine if it's costly. At least you did it with the heart of, I want to serve you, I want to love you, I want to give this to you. If you do it, it begrudgingly, don't even do it. It's like worshipping, it's like, a, it's like God sees like a clanging symbol. It's just a noise in his ears. There's no enjoyment, there's no worship for, in that for him. 
When you do it begrudgingly, that's why he says, when you give, do not give begrudgingly. If you give begrudgingly, you've wasted, you, you should have rather kept that money in your pocket. You know that's what it's saying? Don't do it. Because to God didn't see it as worship unto Him. It's the same with our work. Don't even bother doing it. If you're going to do it, begrudgingly, don't even do it. Because you're not doing it to the glory of God. And He certainly doesn't see it as worship unto Him. Sure. Hard, eh? May we make sure that we see what we do as I'm serving this need. He, well, I'm not actually, I'm working on this computer program and you know, I'm developing this. Well, ultimately it's going to serve someone's need. Be it a website or whatever. Do you understand? In the long term, it is serving someone's and meeting someone's need. And may you make sure that you do it to the best of your ability, to the glory of God. No matter what you do. No matter what occupation. Number four. Your work is there to bring satisfaction and fulfillment to you and to your life. And to others, but to you. 1 Corinthians 7.17 says, Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Whatever God has put you in, stay there. Don't, oh, now I'm going to go into full-time ministry. So many people say that to me and I think, what are you doing? You're in the ministry. What are you doing? When I spoke to my cousin who went into the ministry about this, they couldn't understand where I was coming from in this. And now the church is in financial difficulty and he might have to go back to the so-called secular world. Doesn't make sense to me, but in any case, let me not get off the topic. Your, your work is there to bring satisfaction and fulfillment to your life. Who of you, once you have sold something to someone, and if you've done it in the right way, in serving their need and loving and trying to give them the best product, say, at the best price, even though you make income from it, but you've done it with love, think, wow, sure, that person's so happy. I'm so, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Who of you have felt like that? Isn't it fulfilling? It brings a fulfillment in them. And that's what it... When you teach, do you teach them with joy? Do you teach your children with, with love? Do you teach them to grow them? That you can see, wow, this kid started there, now they're here. Wow, I was part of that. Thank you. There's fulfillment in that, isn't there? It brings fulfillment when I ask you a question and say, who's in the ministry? And all of you say... Me, because I, I know in most churches that they will not answer that. I know that. You want to test it? Go ask some other Christian and see what they're going to say to you. I guarantee you they're not going to answer you correctly. So it brings satisfaction and fulfillment in what we do. When we do it right. When we do it as worship and to glorify God. Number, number five. Your work is there to provide money to supply for the necessities of life. Okay, and here comes the money, but it's certainly not the. If it's in your number one, I think you've missed the point. I think that should be down here. To be quite frank, sadly, many people now go into jobs because of the money. That's where my focus is. Not here's my gifting. I'm going to meet the people's needs, and because of that, I'm going to get income. And then eventually they're unhappy for the rest of their lives in what they do because they never fulfilled the calling upon their lives. Right, here we go. 
Your work is there to provide money to supply for the necessities of life. Genesis 3.19 says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. So your work is going to give you what? An income. So that you can buy food. Okay? I don't even think I need to quote that scripture. It's obvious. You work, and in turn, nowadays, you, or you barter your time and you get money for it. Okay? And with that, you can buy your food and the necessities of life. That is quite obvious, and that's part of, that's part of life. Okay? Obviously, I think things are a little bit totally out of whack in this day and age, but that's just the way it is. Some occupations are paid exorbitant amount, and others are paid pittance. And that's not something you and I are going to change very quickly. So one has to just accept that and carry on with the way things are. Number six, your work is there to help finance run the church. Do you know that I didn't have this in? And last night I thought, but hey, also, can you believe I forgot got this? To be honest with you, I forgot I had to come and change all 11 down to 12. Very frustrating, but in any case, your work is there to help run the church. If, the, if we do not tithe, you must know the church will eventually not exist. And there are many churches closing down because of this. And there are many churches declining at a rate of knots because people are going away and they're trying to get clever with God and say, but uh, there's no such thing as Old Testament. And uh, Why would God have even spoke about it in the first place? Why would it have been done, then brought into law, now it's in under grace? Why? Let me just go through some scriptures for those of you that want to disagree, which I don't think in this congregation is the case, but for those maybe on YouTube. Luke 20 verse 25, Caesar, Caesar they replied, he said to them, then, then Jesus speaking, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. What is God's? The tithe. Not everything, then give everything, then you have nothing. That's not what it's talking about. The tithe belongs to God. Give him what is duly his. That's what it's saying. That's what Jesus was saying here. Give to God what is God and to Caesar what is Caesar. Caesar's was the taxes. God's is the tithe. Don't touch it. It's holy unto him. That belongs to him. Okay? Then we read in, in Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. You teachers, Jesus speaking, Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spice, mint and dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You should have been doing all these things, justice, mercy, righteousness, faith. You, need, you should have been doing that, but don't forget to also time. And it's the same in our lives. We should not forget to do that. Sadly, many people are forgetting and the church is in decline because of it. Or part of the reason. Number seven. Your work is your mission field. Hello? Where your work, that is your mission field. You are called there to change people's lives. You meet people I'll never meet. That means you are there to change people's lives. You are to build into people's lives because I cannot, I'm not going to get there. So I will build into people's lives that come upon, upon my path and I will challenge them. You are called to build into people's lives that come into contact with you and challenge them. Okay? 
All of us know the Great Commission Scripture. Therefore, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. If you go and study that up, it means in your everyday going, in your daily affairs, make disciples. Make followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to share the gospel in our everyday going. And then don't just share the gospel. Lead them to the Lord. Hello. Then you baptize them, not me, you. And once you baptize them, teach them to obey everything that God has commanded them. And he says, I will be with you. And I will guide you and I will lead you. For those of you that are not aware, Phil Kruger passed away. And I was at his funeral. A couple of you here were at his funeral. What blessed me is how many people there shared on how he would always speak about God. Everyone that shared would say that. He would always bring everything down, even his everything, even his business affairs. Before he sold you a car, when he worked at Lanny Motors, he would first sell you God. So he would not expect your money. He first wants to. He want, first wants your life to be changed for eternity. He would. He, well, one guy said, "Oh, maybe his boss is here, you know. So maybe it's good that he's passed away. But I know his boss is a man of God." So he says to so he he says he would sometimes say, "Don't buy this car, rather because you're going to be indebted for years. Rather buy this. It, you're going to, he's going to get two thousand rand less commission." Hello, that's a man of God. More interested in the person and ministering to that person and meeting their needs in a godly way than uh, financial remuneration. That to me is awesome. Hey? That is awesome. And he saw wherever he went, as his mission field, numerous of them, many of them said, the first time I ever met him was in the prison or on the mission field or at an orphanage. And it doesn't matter if you never go there. The thing is, when the people meet you, do they meet God? Hello? When they meet you in your workplace, do you shy away from ever speaking about God? Or do you make God known? Because that is our mandate, is to make God known. To make disciples to share the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or is it no longer good news? May we in our everyday going make disciples, make followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We spend 70 to 80% of our time working. And the most important field that you'll ever be is your work field, and that is your mission field. May you see your work as a mission field to touch people's hearts and lives for all eternity. So may you never think, well, Ian's work is holy and mine is unholy, or his is sacred, mine's unholy. That's a lie. That's a lie from Satan. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not true. Yours is just a different calling. But it is just as spiritual as mine. Hello. Amen. May you embrace your work, and may you say, Lord, thank you for the gifting, and may you help me to hone this gifting to your glory and to your honor. Do you know that 90% of the miracles that Jesus performed was in the marketplace? I had someone saying, no, but I will not share the gospel because that is, those people pay me money to serve them in, 
in for from whatever this time to this time. They pay me money. I'm, I can't I can't do that. That's not right. And I said, Are you crazy? That is so that is so unscriptural. It is shocking. How can you say that? Do you know what? The minute you meet someone else's need, you're going to make the sale. Those of you in business, am I right? When you minister to someone and then deep-seated needs, you'll make the sale. When it's just about making the sale, and not, you're not going to do as well, I guarantee you. Am I right, business people? When they see you care, and you, they, you will make that sale. I want to encourage you. May you minister to people in your everyday going. And may, you be see, may it be seen as your mission field. Number eight, your work is your ministry assignment. God is, this, that's your ministry assignment. Do not see it, oh, it's just a job. No, it's your ministry assignment that God has given you. Well, this is not what I want to be in. Well, it is what you're in for now. Make the best of it and then ask God to shift you. But be faithful in what he's put you in and placed you in at this present moment in time, irrespective of what's going on there. And I think that is the right mindset to have. I don't think Joseph was very happy in prison. Do you? Was he faithful in the prison though? Yes, I think so. No matter where he, he was put, he was faithful. He was faithful. He did it to the glory of God. God promoted him. He was put back. You think he enjoyed it? No. Yet God stole. He would because he followed God's ways. God promoted him, and others saw it. And who promoted him? God promoted him ultimately. But the people see it, and what do they see? Say, yes, this man's a man of integrity. Boom. Number eight. Your work is your ministry assignment. Oh, I've said that. Hey, Revelations one six. And has made us a kingdom and priests. Oh, sorry, did I read the one? It's 1 Peter 2.5. Did I read that? No. You are also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are who? A royal priesthood. Who is he speaking to here? Me. To the whole church. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called out of darkness into his marvelous light to minister the love of God. To minister the truth, the good news of the gospel. To set the captives free. You, you much more than me, will be in contact with those that are caught up and captivated by sin and entangled into ungodliness. You are the ones that are going to get the greater opportunity of leading them. Not me. I deal mostly with those that are already born again. That are already saved. You, you get to meet all those that are in change. May you be the ones to set them free. That's why the fivefold ministry are there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, setting the captives free. Because you are the ones that are there actually seeing that. Involved in their lives. So may you see your work as a ministry assignment. Revelations 1.6 it says, And has made us a, king, a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him glory and power forever and ever. He's made you a king, king of priests. You guys are priests in the house of God. May you, be, may you see that with your work. I said, yeah, the work that you are involved in is the ministry to which God has called you. 
And may you be a faithful minister in the work that God has called you to. We need to understand that work is ministry and ministry is work. And this does not matter what work you do. doesn't matter what. Even if you're sweeping the streets, sweep them to the glory of God and do the best of your do it to the best of your ability. Why? Because you make an environment where people think, wow, this is so nice. Who of you like to walk, drive down streets that are disgustingly filthy? Any of you? None of you. It, what does it do? It brings... Uh, but when you go down streets that are clean, it's, it's, I mean, I've had people come back from Singapore and they say, it is, you can literally eat off the streets. And they just marvel. They just, it's like awesome. Someone's doing that. Someone's serving. They're putting laws in place, but still someone is serving. Because don't tell me net papers are never dropped there. They are. But someone is serving and serving well. May you never see your ministry assignment as menial because there's no such thing as a menial occupation or job. They are all needed. Every single one of them. 2 Corinthians 5.15-16 says, For we are to God the Rome of Christ. Among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And it carries on. Look, are you an aroma in what you do? Do people come in contact with you in your business and they, oh, this is so nice. It's really nice being around this person. May we be an aroma for Christ, not for ourselves. A ministry is any service that is rendered by a kingdom citizen, a Christian, okay, or people call themselves Christian, <coughs> that benefits, helps, or assists another person or project, and that is done to the glory of God. If it's not done to the glory of God, then it is not a ministry. Then it's a job to which you prostitute in your time. May we never prostitute our time again. 1 Corinthians 12.5 says, There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. You, what you, how you serve me when you sell me pipes is a service that I need. And do it out of joy to meet that person's need. When you bake bread, bake it. Now, let me just say, can you bake bread in a Christian way? <laughs> uh, can you play music? In a Christian way. I think you can play music good or bad. I don't think there's really a Christian way. Can you write music in a godly way or a non-godly way? Yes, there I think. But I think playing an instrument, you're either doing it good or bad. I think when you bake bread, you bake it either good or terribly. You know, that it tastes too. But I think when you give it, you give it in a godly manner. And I think that needs to be understood, okay? Ah, right. So no matter what work that you do, may you realize that it is your ministry to which God is. It's your ministry assignment. Number six, your work is honorable and needed. Who of you think your work is not honorable and is not needed? Many people think that in this day and age. They don't think it's needed and they don't do it with honor. Colossians 3 verse 23 to 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Okay? In other words, honor God in your work. Do it not just because men need it, but because God 
worship through what you do. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So when you serve this client, or when you do this, or you write this computer program, do you see it as, I'm doing this in worship as unto God, or I'm doing this for the stupid boss, ungrateful? May we worship God with everything that we do. And may we honor him through it. Because nothing we do is menial. Jesus never came as a philosopher or a doctor. He came as a carpenter. And every job or occupation, should I say, is needed. And should be honored. Number ten. Your work should be done with excellence. Not with mediocre, acceptable... This is a, no, it should be done with excellence. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. In other words, whatever you do, hone it to become the best. Whatever. Whatever you are. If you're a salesman, make sure that you hone it and be the best salesman. That anyone that needs a salesman will want you because you're so good. If you bake bread, tweak that recipe so much that everyone wants that bread. If you're a teacher, everyone wants to be taught by you because you teach so well. You prepare so well. You honed in it. May we do whatever we do with absolute excellence and to the glory of God. Number 11. Your work should be done with integrity. I think this is crucial. Ephesians 6, 7 to 8 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not men. In other words, I'm not doing this just for you to grow your business. I'm doing this wholeheartedly because I'm doing it as unto the Lord. I'm worshipping God through what I'm doing. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does. Whether he's slave or free. And none of us here are slaves. We're all free. How much more so should we do it to the glory of his name and with integrity and with our whole heart and not just with a portion of our heart. Because when you do it with your whole heart, you do it with excellence. And you know what? People will want to give you more and the business will grow and you will grow through it. Right, number 12. Your work will never come to an end. Sorry to say. Things have changed in this day and age, but think about about 100 years ago. This is very true then. Now we've, you know, got pension funds and we've cleverly manipulated things so we can sit on our blessed assurance and do nothing till the day we die. When we hit 65 or whatever, I don't don't believe one should do that. Hello? And I know many uh, people that are retired, you take Barry, who serves the congregation out of love for God, not for any remuneration. Leon, Johan. They do it out of love for God and get nothing for it. How awesome is that? That is men of God. Your work will never end. It will never come to an end. Once again, I'll repeat this scripture. Genesis 3.19 By the sweat of your brow, you will eat from your food until you return to the ground. Do you see that? Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Your work will never end.
And even if you don't get paid for it, and you serve just to meet the needs of others and lovingly give you time, may you do it to the glory of God. Not begrudging you, but see it as I'm worshipping you, God, through the talents that you've given me. And I'm meeting people's needs here, around the world, whatever the case may be. And may we see our work in this light from this day forth. Because I guarantee you, if everyone does this, this world would be an incredibly beautiful place. There will not be this thing of how can I take from you and how can I squash you, but how can we improve and grow one another to the glory of God. So let me go through them again. Your work is there because that is God's plan. It's part of God's plan. You to do your work to the glory and honor of God, number two. Number three, you to do it to serve others and meet their needs, whatever that may be. Number four, Your work is there to bring satisfaction and fulfillment to your life. It is there also to provide money to supply your necessities of life, to help finance the running of the church, your congregation. It is your mission field. Number eight, it is your ministry assignment that you have been given by God. May you do it honorably because it is certainly needed in this world and may you do it with excellence and integrity and Just know that it's not going to stop. Even if you do stop doing something for an income, you're still going to have to cook your food. May you cook it to the glory of God. Whether it be for your husband or even for yourself. May you do whatever you do to the best of your ability. When you play, may you play to the best of your ability. I try and make that a point that whatever I do, I do it full. Even when I sleep, I try and sleep full and not worry. (laughs) Your and my work is at all times supposed to make God look great. And may God look great through your work, through your everyday, whatever you do. Because you do it to the glory of His name. And may He be looked and people say, wow. You do things very different. How is that? Because you do it not just for self, but for God to meet the needs of others. And then you can get remunerated for it. Amen? Who of you need to repent for your terrible attitude when it comes to your work? (coughs) Hello? One person puts, my son puts his hand up. My, my, my nine-year-old son is already asking me he wants to start this business. Will I help him? Nine-year-old. How awesome is that, eh? And he wants to do this and this. Then he speaks business now, but he wants this. And Yeah, I said, but half the business will be mine. Why? No ways. <laughs> do you see? So I explained to him. and we had, <laughs> It's certainly one that all of us have to learn. And it, the easiest thing is just, just saying, no, I don't want to work with you. And I don't think God w- works like that with us. Therefore, we should not work like that with others. Yeah. If you're a t- well, that's the beautiful thing about a teacher. You are forced to grow. As a teacher, you will be forced to grow in that because yeah, you can't say, cheers, kitty. It should be the same in our work, though. That you're forced to stick with the things and grow that person. Amen.
Who's got some repenting to do before God with regards to their work? Two, two kids. Wow. Two young adults, should I say. That's all. Come on, who else? Come on. Well, I think most of us should be able to say, I've got, I've got things to say, sorry, Lord. I did this begrudgingly. I didn't want to do this. But I, I did do it, and I didn't do it to your honor, and I didn't do it to your glory. That means there was a clanging noise in the ears of God. You need to repent of that. Because all our work should be done to the glory of His name. Otherwise, we're wrong. Okay, we're going to take up, I mean, we're going to have communion. I pray that you would come and, I think, come up to the table of mercy. Come make right with God if you need to with regards to your work. And say, why today, Lord, what am I going to change? And you go and make sure you change it this week. If you don't, you're not going to change it. Okay, deal with it ASAP and say, right, Lord, I repent of this. Make right with Okay. That's why he didn't die just for us sins. He died for us to be transformed, to be changed into his likeness. May we work like he would work. And he worked to see what he ever did. He did to serve people in love and to change their lives for eternity. Mm-hmm.